Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. 101.9 Chai FM, Chai Chinuch, Rabbi G. We are back, as we do every Monday between 2 to 3, where we discuss Chinuch education. What's happening around the world, what's happening in the community, what's happening between ourselves, how can we be better people, how can we influence the world to be um, kinder, nicer, better, just be the right people at the right time in the right place. Very interesting uh, Monday today, in my opinion, in my eyes. Uh, we normally think at this day and age of 2018 that we are very engaged and involved with the world around us we know what's happening overseas we know that what's happening in the news we know what's happening everywhere we're very connected we're very online we know what everybody's going through however um it's an interesting moment to question that since this monday uh, is a very interesting monday in my opinion because Half the people I work with and, and talk to on day-to-day basis are started, their schools have started holidays at the weekend, Thursday, Friday, it depends on the school. And today's their first day off. Today's Monday, um, and they've been off over the weekend. Some of the uh, clients, people I'm in touch with, are still ending off the term only this, the end of this week or a bit later. And it's fascinating how those who are still in school with their exams, with things happening, are so deep in school that all our work interactions and discussion interactions are completely around the term, as a middle term. And those who are out of the term are completely out of tone. They're like middle of holiday already. And it's interesting because at the end of the day, some of the families I know have kids in both schools, kids that have finished already and kids that are still going to school. Some of the people have neighbors, have friends, have communities. So we're not only tuned in through Facebook, through WhatsApp, through social media, through a different country. We're tuned in in our families, in our homes, in our communities. And still, the ones of us that are on holidays are so deep already into the holidays. And the ones that are still in school today are so deep in normal schedule that we are hardly reading, relating to each other in that. Just a bit of a thought regarding the feeling that we are so connected to everything around us. So, right to the show, a few very important topics coming up. The first one that I want to start with, and it's actually a very special and proud moment. Um, two weeks ago, I had an interview here in studio with uh, one of the leaders of Yesh Camp. And we were discussing camp and new programs and what's happening, etc. And one of the things that he spoke about and he mentioned was security. And when he spoke about security in camp, he spoke about all aspects of security. And even how the camp has actually prepared themselves and being ready for safety, um, for physical safety, for emotional safety, for sexual safety, for all safeties around. And it was a very um, special moment to see that the institutions and the programs around town are actually starting to take thought about it and prepare themselves towards it. And I think that a lot of it has to do with a very special organization that's hap- that is being run here in the community, who has brought awareness to the community in many levels. And I've asked them to come to the studio to share with us a bit of safety um, for camp, safety for our homes, just safety for holidays. However, 
Let's try to define and go through the very thin line between staying safe and not panicking, not creating uh, um, drama around it, but however, being very protected and not give up because we don't want to make a scene, but on the other hand, stay protected in a very common, safe way. Anything you want to add about it? 061-895-1019 is the WhatsApp line. 061-895-1019. You could always send an SMS, 34519. If you have an opinion about safety, about just how do we go into camp and how do we go into holidays more like it and end holidays the same as we entered in a very um, calm, safe, positive way. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm here with two of the leaders and heads of Kolainu. This is Henley Went. <laughs> Wendy Handler, sorry, I'm uh, half holidays, half not. You know, it's uh, very difficult. And Suzanne, Roseanne, Roseanne Sachs. I, I'm getting confused. We'll have to. You'll have to forgive me about that. So, first of all, thank you so much for being here and coming in today. Today, we're going to talk a bit about as parents, how can we make sure our homes, our friends, our community, we are protected during these very intense days of holidays, when parents sometimes reach a point that we need a bit of quiet, we need a bit of space, and then our neighbor calls and says, can you kids come over? Can they come over? Is that okay? Is it not? What do we need to check? What do we need to do? We need we need to know. We don't want to be um, creating uh, um, questions or we don't create a scene or a problem. However, we want to know that our kids are safe. So let's start. Um, first question would be, what are would be the the simple guidelines that we can start with to create a safe environment around our homes. Suzanne. Thank you, Rabbi, and hello to the listeners, and thank you for having us on the show. Um, so Kulainu uh, have a prevention of abuse program that we go into the schools with, which is a threefold program, and I think it's something that can sort of be extrapolated across to just everyday life and, and uh, parents also having this knowledge to upskill their children in that we, okay. we don't only upskill the children, which is really the, the best way of prevention um, is education and, and raising awareness is also so that the parents know what their children are being taught so that they're able to reinforce it. Um, and as well as that, with the schools, we do training with the teachers. Um, How important is it for the parents to be involved in what their kids are learning? very important because their children are learning certain life skills to keep themselves safe and if they're getting a different message at home or the parent is not reinforcing the lessons that the child is being taught um, in a positive way then pretty much all that kind of training becomes you know redundant at the end of the day because the child needs to get a strong message they're getting a message from school they get they need to get that message from home and the parents need to also have their own house rules so to speak which reinforce you know the the various areas and aspects of safety so when we talk about house rules and and we're actually talking about creating a safe environment at home what would be step one in creating a safe environment at home I think the, the the first um, the first thing is that the parents need to talk to their children about trusting their own feelings and okay. being able to um, identify their emotions, name their emotions, label them, and know when their emotions are informing them that like a warning signal that something doesn't feel right. 
Okay, that's a very important point. To teach your child that when you feel something's wrong, don't ignore it. Exactly. And then to know that your, your, your body is telling you internally when you're in a safe or an unsafe situation. And if you're in an environment, let's say your parents have sent you to play at a friend. But the child's in an environment where something is going on that makes them feel uncomfortable. They need to know that they can trust that feeling and they need to tell an adult straight away. So they need to know their parent's phone number and be able to say, I need to call my parent, whatever it is. And the parent needs to take responsibility for listening to that child, responding adequately. It might be fetching that child. It might be having a conversation with the other family. This is a joint task, and it's really rests child, on the parent. Right, but and that's creating an uh, uh, opportunity for the child to um, contact his parents right away if something's mm. going on. We do have to take a short break. When we come back, I want to hear what happens if the child did not do that. How can we create an environment for him to come a day, a month, a week later to say something went wrong and not feel that it's too late, or what can I do? 101.9, Chai FM, Chai Chinuch, We will be right back. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, High Chinuch, We are back, just in the point. Right before the break, we were in a very important topic regarding safety of our kids. And you've mentioned... Um, Mrs. Wendy Handler um, at, from Kolenu, and we've been talking about the first step about actually making the safe environment at home is to make sure your child has a number to have a way to contact you if anything goes wrong, or even if it's just his instincts or something he feels is not appropriate. How do we create an environment if he didn't do that? If we're looking a week or two weeks or a month down the line, or even if something happened before we prepared him and now we're going into it and he has his baggage with him. What can we do to get him to open up and connect about it? Okay, so what we teach the children and really what parents need to reinforce is one of the main safety rules is if you're in a situation where you're uncomfortable or you're feeling unsafe is to say no, go away, tell an adult. But we're very cognizant of the fact that these are children and very often it is hard to say no, it's hard to get away. So the main thrust is to tell an adult. So that is something that parents really need to reinforce, that even if you couldn't say no, but if you thought no in your head and you knew that you were in a situation that something wasn't right or you were feeling uncomfortable, but you couldn't get out of that situation, it's not your fault. It's never your fault. But you need to come and tell an adult. Okay, so you're never blamed for anything that happened. And even if the child didn't come straight away, and came forward later, you never say, why didn't you tell me sooner? It's always, thank you for telling me. You were right to tell me. It was not your fault. And now we're going to get you the help that you need. So the child needs to feel comfortable to come forward. What we do in our program is we help the children establish a safety network of between three to five safe adults that they could tell. I mean, chas shalom, it's in the family that some abuse is happening. If theoretically, if the person who's the person they need to go to is the one that's doing yeah. the, the abuse. Okay. So, so they need to have other people. So we encourage them to not only put on their safety network people from their family, but also people from outside, whether it be a, a teacher or um, a friend's parent, someone from outside. And the message to that child is tell, tell, tell. So if the first person you tell isn't available or doesn't listen, doesn't help, then go to the next person. So in this way, we are hoping and trusting that children will come forward sooner. 
Right, that's a very big point because uh, many times even as adults, if we would contact somebody and they take us very unseriously, we'll, we will have a tremendous difficulty to contact somebody else. Mm-hmm. How do we teach a child that if he contacts somebody and the person ignores him to move on to the next person? So that is just the reinforcement of the, the tell aspect of the, the basic toolbox of safety skills is that if you go to mom and she's busy and you then go to your aunt who's the next person on your safety network and she's not answering the phone, just keep going until um, you know you find somebody who will listen to you and who you know will help you. And what we also suggest to parents, you know, we very often get asked about sleepovers. Should children be allowed to go on sleepovers and have sleepovers? So the question, the it's answer. It's a big thing here. It's a big thing. And the answer is that, yes, they, you know, if, if you know the family that the child is sleeping at and the parent needs to make sure that they know who is with the child um, in the house, uh, if there's going to be babysitters, if the parents are going out, for example, who is babysitting, to speak to the child before they go to sleep. And when they get home from that sleepover, to be readily available to chat to them about how it went, just to be open and maybe a little bit more observant during that time that they get home if they want to speak to you or tell you anything. It's very important. So it really does, what, we, what we're portraying here is that the parents' role is, is really so important. They need to be just aware and involved. So when it comes to something like tennis lessons or gym lessons or bar mitzvah Lessons, anything where the child is alone with an adult, what's a very good thing is if the parent can't sit in on the whole session, to just pop in at unexpected moments. You know, I mean, a, a lady was saying to me she wants her child to go to some computer course and now she's nervous. And I said, you know, you have the right to go and check it out in advance, get references, check out from other parents, and then to pop in and out and say to them, look, I'm concerned about my child, I may pop in. But if a parent has says comes to you and says, I'm nervous, that means they have some kind of bad feeling about what's happening. Shouldn't they pull out? You know, they can't always. I mean, ideally, yes. As you, the, the, the message is that the parent should trust their own instinct. They're trying to teach the child that. But let's say they don't have any instinct and they think it's fine. Because, I mean, we are very trusting here, you know, right. and everybody's good and everybody's nice. And that's what we teach our children, respect other people, especially the religious children are taught to, you know, honor and respect, you know, older people and especially people in positions of authority. So in a way, we very easily set our children up to not notice or. Right. So the the parents have to say, I'm here to protect you. It's your right to be safe at all times and take that responsibility seriously. So you don't just drop your child off and go. You go in, you check, you be involved. So mm. basically, you're saying parents have to be available and involved. And but how do we give this across to our kids without creating too much drama around the situation? Because we don't want to push them into a case of um, uh, make our kids uh, nervous, not lose trust in the world. We want like this healthy balance between being aware and still being open and friendly and fun with everybody. So um, the course that we teach is basically a life skills course. It's taught in a very fun, engaging, interactive way. And it's more about, you know, we start with the feelings and, and getting them to speak about their feelings and understand their body signals. And it's done in a very sort of general way. 
um, that could apply really to any situation. So what we're doing is basically laying the foundation for them to learn to trust their gut instinct and empowering them to be able to say no and empowering them to get help in a situation um, when they, where they feel unsafe. So it, it's a life skills program in that it applies through all areas of life. And with the older children, we start to do a little bit more um, on the abuse side of things where we talk, for example, one of the activities we'll do is called the basket of apples where we'll teach them that most people in the world are good. Uh, most people are kind. Most people want the best for you. But there may be one person who might look good on the outside. He may look like your your dad or your she may look like your mom exactly, you know, on the outside. But on the inside may not be so good. So I think it's a very important point that mo- the apple box thing that it, m- most people are good. But I think maybe there's another way, another question that's just coming to me right now regarding the use of the word abuse. And I'll tell you why. Um, I have, to be honest, I have attended one of the meetings that you've had with rabbis in the community. And it was very serious and it and actually was fascinating to see how Involved the rabbis in the community are, how seriously they're taking the things and how in touch they are with Koleno and with the community and trying to uh, implement and actually create programs. But one of the rabbis mentioned to me afterwards that he feels that the word abuse kind of shut him off. He said only like towards the end of the talk, I realized that when I what I pictured abuse doesn't have to be the worst case scenario. It could be a very simple situation that leaves a child unprotected and unsafe and hurt. It doesn't have to be that it was the worst case scenario. Is there any other way we can approach our children without using um, the tools that will give their imagination to go wild? Well, I think that to our children, we actually don't say abuse. We say any situation that makes you feel uncomfortable. And we give some, well, the older children will give a scenario like somebody's tickling you too hard. And you don't feel comfortable. Yeah. We don't, we certainly don't say anything that will frighten them. We're just teaching them that there are rules around their bodies. Their bodies belong to them. There are private zones and nobody's allowed to ask to see them or ask them to see theirs. That's about the worst or touch them. That's about the worst, the most sort of explicit things we say. Otherwise, it's really trusting your own instincts when you feel uncomfortable because we do have, our bodies do give us warning signs. You know, and often like children will say like, you know, even though the feeling might have been pleasurable and it came from somebody that they love and trust and they treasure the relationship, a little part of them was niggling deep down. They, you felt, know, little, they, felt, okay. they felt it's not okay. So to trust that part and then to go and talk out about that part. So we actually certainly don't scare the children. In fact, the majority, I would say 90% of the program that we're teaching is empowering them to recognize and keep themselves safe from any unsafe situation. It could be walking in the street where a car stops and asks for direction, you know, or anything, absolutely anything across the board. They've got to trust their instincts and say no. And I think another um, important area is where we, you know, we need the parents to be on board with us here is if they express that they don't want to hug a particular relative or they don't like it when uncle so-and-so kisses them or, you know, if they're in a a family situation where the parents are demanding that they show, you know, go and give uncle so-and-so a hug or go and give auntie so-and-so a kiss, the minute the child expresses any reservation or, sh- or, or expresses to you in whichever way they can that it's not something they're comfortable with, 
it's time for the parents to step in, respect that child's, you know, wishes and feelings, and perhaps have a very hard conversation with the with the relative, and explain that this the child this is what they are learning. They're learning, you know, the minute they feel uncomfortable or they don't like certain things, they have to express it, and we have to respect that. A hundred percent. I actually think that is also in different areas. If you have a relative that you your child is not feeling comfortable with because they're bossing them around okay get me a drink don't i'll pour for you you do this you go here you go that and your child doesn't want that it's also your place as a parent to step in and protect your child especially if it's at your own home mm-hmm. and i think it's all con- maybe all connected but what do we tell the parents because we are running a bit uh late in t- uh short in time i don't know what's happening today um we are running short in time but i do i i want to ask you a question like this what do we tell the parents a parent that has a feeling that something isn't really right. They're assuming that it's something really not major. And they feel that by dealing with it, they're just going to create a scene and chaos and, and blow everything out of proportion. So they're actually scared to help their own child. Mm-hmm. How can we expect them or help them help their child um, with ensuring them that things won't be damaged more, things won't be blown out of proportion, thing, things will actually be still contained and still in control? So I think that part of our program is teaching parents and teachers um, sort of healthy ways to deal with with these situations. You know, so the first thing the parent has to know is if a child says something, you know, like we get in cases where the children are sort of exploring in inappropriate ways, like five-year-old children at, at school. Don't don't have a huge panic attack and blow it up to the children. Ah, oh, can you be doing that? Why are you doing so? You know, don't do that. Just say, oh, find out a little bit more. Is that what was the game? Oh, is that the game? Okay, you know. And then, so with the child, you're contained, but then you go and you talk to someone who, you know, talk to the social worker or phone Kolenu. If we don't, if we aren't sure how to guide you, we'll send you, you know, put you in the right direction, connect you to the right people. So you handle it very calmly in a contained way. But I think there's an idea that if you address these issues, you're going to, you know, you're going to make a whole story out of it. It's not so. If you don't address them and they go underground, you're going to have long-term ramifications. So rather address it in a very, like, sensitive and, you know, unfrightening, unfrightened way, in a very, like, concrete way oh is that what happens and then later on to say you know that isn't our safety rules what were our safety rules you know and um, you forgot to come and tell me so the message is always come and tell and that the child will get help so I think that in fact our message is the opposite that these things there's nothing too scary to talk about that the child has to know that the parent can deal with it and the parent has to say you can tell me anything and and okay and with that feeling, I, we do have an SMS coming in. And by the way, I'll mention, I want to hear more opinions of this because SMS is saying, Rabbi, the, 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 the ladies are extremely overprotective. Um, this is a question I know. And, and I want to address that because on the one hand, you, you're living the situation that you do find cases and, and you are helping people in the community. On the other hand, as one of the listeners sent in, he's getting the message across that we're, um, we're being overprotective. How do we balance that? Do we actually address it, or do we say we're trying to help and we're trying to protect our kids, and this is what we can do? Uh, but just before you answer, I do want to hear um, if anybody feels that um, this show is being accurate and not overprotective, or 
yes, is being overprotective, please share it with us. 061-895-1019. 061-895-1019 is the WhatsApp line. 34519 is the SMS line. Okay, so what do we tell somebody who says we're just being overprotective? Okay, we hear that and we do, we respect that. But unfortunately, we are living in quite a scary world at the moment. And, you know, the cases that we take and that we're involved in, um, and also being, I suppose, in this industry, so to speak, we know what the stats are. And, I mean, I'm loath to, to say the stats because it does freak people out. But um, at the moment, the stats are one in, in every four girls and one in every seven boys will be... Here in South Africa? Yes. Will be victims of, of some form of abuse and, um, you know, before they reach the age of 18. So the only way to prevent it and the only way... To, to sort of try and be proactive in this is to uh, educate and to raise awareness. And unfortunately, by, through, it's only through education that the children can learn to protect themselves the same way we teach them to look left and right before they cross the road. You know, it's the same lessons that we're trying to teach them to exist in a very, very scary world. Even if the seatbelt is not as comfortable as we would want it to be. Exactly. It's the same lessons. So basically you're saying that Yes, we may be a bit overprotective for the three out of the four that won't be hurt, but we prefer that than neglecting 25% of our boys in the country. A hundred percent. And you know what? When we do talk about this, it does, it does put push buttons in people's lives, and it is uncomfortable. And we understand that, you know, and that's just the price we need to pay for keeping our children safe because we, we unfortunately are hearing the, the cases. I mean, just over this past weekend... Uh, you know, Friday to Sunday, I was asked about two cases of concern with nursery school children and inappropriate behavior. So, you know, they, those might be um, exploratory play, nothing to worry about. Is but that the something that happens, that people call you for concerns and then you get back to them and say, we checked it, it's okay, you can relax? There are, there are situations like that, but those situations mean that there's got to be more education going on and the parents have to be equipped to know how to handle those inappropriate behaviors with their children so if it's a three-year-old then you say stop that go and play in the garden you know (laughs) you just distract but But if it's an older child then then you might need to do some education you might need to have a session or two of play therapy they have to have stronger boundaries you know enforced so it depends on really much on the age of the child but most of the cases unfortunately are real that we are okay. getting. But, but that's something people don't know about Colleen, I think, that you could call in and you'll check it properly with people relevant and you'll come back and say, it's nothing, don't worry about it. Mm. We, we checked it. We're not making a scene. There's no Absolutely. need for a scene. There will be a situation like that. Okay, that's, a, uh, um, I think, a very valid point. We do have to end, unfortunately, this interview. If anybody wants to be in contact with you directly, how can they get a hold of Colleen? What, what is Colleen offering them in the community? Okay, so we have a helpline um, that runs on a Monday and a Wednesday from 9 until nine in the morning until 12 in the afternoon, and then Tuesday to Thursday from 7 p.m. until 10 p.m. We have volunteers who man our helpline, um, and they will then, you know, help. They will support the caller and then refer out for the necessary help. Wendy and myself are also available. Um, you Do you know. take anonymous calls? Yes, 
We take it's an anonymous and confidential helpline, except in the case um, if it is a case of suspected child abuse. Unfortunately, we cannot, you know, keep confidentiality in those cases because we are mandatory reporters. And there's a child at risk and who might a, not get help. Exactly. So our job is to make sure that that child gets help. But if okay, but in case of that, it's not a child risk or just help needed. You will assist and you will help and see what needs to be done that way. Okay, so what are the numbers? Okay, so they can email (laughs) us to Kolenu S A K O L E I N U S A at gmail dot com. The helpline number is O double one two six four O three four one. O double one two six four O three four one. And if there are cases where people need to get hold of us outside of those hours or they would prefer to speak to either myself or Wendy directly, they could phone into KFM and and they could give our cell phone numbers. You could, send, you could also send me a message directly, rabbigsa at gmail.com, and I will forward you the information or forward it to them, rabbigsa at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us. I think it's very important. I think way shorter than what we could have and should have spoken about. And just an opportunity, if anybody feels that this is more important to deal with, then we should deal with it more on the show or we're being overprotective. Please send it in 0618951019 or 34519 is the SMS line. You could always email us at onair at com or even call in at 010-140-3020. Thank you so much for being with us. Pleasure. Pleasure. And enjoy your holidays. And you. Thank Thank you. Two hours every weekday covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. 101.9, we are back. Just finished a very, um, um, a completely different topic now that we're going into holidays. And I actually did not have anybody uh, in studio to come to speak to me about it because I actually wanted to share it directly with you. And just a thought and something that came to me last week. It's something that I actually made a post, uh, many people were exposed to, and many people contacted me about it, uh, regarding something I've experienced in Hatzalah. And I want to share with you like this. Hatzalah, as we spoke before on this show, has started a um, crisis unit team that actually joined the paramedics in certain situations and help and give extra support and really calm down scenes into an amazing work. However, um, they don't do actual medical work. I have, me- I have merited the, the opportunity to be a part of that team. And part of being on the team, I've experienced last week, to go onto a few scenes together with Hatzalah members to actually see how to help and what needs to be done. And I saw fascinating work. And I want to share with you a post that I've shared on social media, which is something I actually, I don't think I've ever done before, but I felt it's very crucial and very important to do as, to do as that way. I shared uh, something very, I don't know if to call it disturbing or frustrating or something that I was exposed to that really bothered me. I was sitting with solar members a few times, and these are amazing people. People that, no matter what they're doing, they'll drop everything and run as soon as there's an opportunity to save lives. 
no matter how tired they are, how hungry they are, how busy they are, how involved they are with their families, they'll drop and they'll run. And they'll go as fast as they can because they, they understand and they know that every second is critical. And I've watched it. I've watched paramedics, as I wrote there, I've watched paramedics not eat for hours, call after call, and then take the first bite, and then suddenly get a call and run. I've watched paramedics in uh, um, just chilling out moments. I've watched paramedics in very important business calls. I've, I've watched them in all levels, times, and areas. Just drop everything and run. We've all seen it. We've all been at shul, and suddenly the paramedic has to run to save lives. We've all been at a simcha. And some, sometimes it's a close relative of the, of the paramedic and he drops everything and he runs. And it's fascinating and it's amazing and it's inspiring to watch. However, with this inspiring thing, there's also something I noticed that was actually quite disturbing, which I will share with you right after a short ad break. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, Chai We are at the end of another uh, fascinating show. Uh, right before the break, I shared with you my personal experience together with Hatzalah members who, in many cases, are just dropping everything and running to save lives. And I've mentioned that I've also experienced some frustration. And my frustration was like this. I've watched them after these special people Left, dropped everything and actually ran to save lives. They got sh- stuck in traffic. They got stuck. It was fascinating to see with the lights and everybody understands that when a Tzalov is driving as fast as they can to save lives, they're going to save lives. And I don't believe anybody wants him, wants to be responsible for losing life. I don't think anybody who was uh, not on purpose or just not noticing these Tzalov drivers were, was, a bad person or an uncaring person who, or somebody who thought, you know what? I think it's probably better I don't get late to work. If somebody will die, what can I do? It's not that way. People in the community care. People in the community are sensitive. People in the community would never, ever want to hurt anybody, harm anybody. I just think there's a bit of maybe lack of understanding, lack of information, lack of education, and something needs to happen. And we're going to be dealing with this later on in the shows. However, for now, what we did is I'm sending out a request. If you see, the next time you see an Atala car driving or in any ambulance, it doesn't really matter, any ambulance driving to any direction, what you can do simply is put on your four lighter, your four lights, your blinkers, your hazards, and move to, as you're moving to the side. Doing that, you're doing, you're getting two amazing things. Number one, you're actually helping, um, other drivers realize how important it is and what you're doing and educating other people. You, number two, you are actually uh, telling the drivers of uh, the ambulance driver, anybody, it's safe. You can pass me. And by that, by that simple thing, just showing awareness, you are able to save lives. I would elaborate a bit more about this, but we do have to get to the end of the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Craig, for everything. Um, enjoy your holidays. If you're on them already or you're going towards them, just Keep safe, keep healthy, and see you, please, God, next week, Monday, 2 to 3, Chai FM at Chai Chinuch Rabbeji.